0: Happy Father's Day. I think it's appropriate that we start off with a dad joke because it's Father's Day. So, I have a question for you. Why do we say amen in church and not a woman? Because we sing hymns, not hers. All right. Greg, Greg, you promised to laugh out loud and I didn't see it. Thank you. So it's my privilege to be here and share the word of God with you. Um, as you know, Pastor Kurt is over in Africa. Pastor Matt is down in Mexico. And Pastor Jeff is over with the kids. So that means we can pretty much do whatever we want this morning. Dawn is going to race the stream. We're, we're good to go. No, but we are going to look into the Word of God, and and this is one of three uh, weeks where we're going to specifically look at a psalm in the Bible. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at um, a psalm, but I want to share a story with you first. Um, Back in October 6, 2014, uh, this is um, eight years ago, right? Almost eight years ago. Uh, the Giants were in the playoffs And um, on their way to their third title in five years And Pastor Matt surprised me with some tickets where The two of us were going to go to a game And so the morning started out That was exciting The morning started out with, you know, we, we met up I think we might have even had lunch together or breakfast We left really early And our plan was not just to drive down We didn't want it to be a boring, normal day Where we drive down and and fight the San Francisco traffic, we decided we're going to go and uh, meet up. We rode together down to the, the nearest BART station, I believe it's in Richmond, and then we rode the BART in all the way to San Francisco. So as you can imagine, the, it starts with two of us, and we drive, and we're talking about how excited we are. We get to the BART station, we get on the BART, and we start to notice there's a lot of people that have the same plan. And the excitement is starting to build, right? And uh, at the same time, the, the is, Wayne, is Wayne Owen here? Good, because he'd be offended by—oh, well, now I feel like him. He's in the hospital? Okay, let's pray for him. Let's pray for him right now. God, I just, uh, I just pray for Wayne and whatever is going on in his health. And God, just pray that you would be with him, with his family, and that you would— uh, be whatever, whatever they need, that you would give them um, provision and, uh, and just be there. You are the great physician and you know what's going on. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, I was going to tease him because he's a Dodger fan, but the Dodgers were playing while we were driving to the game, while we we're on the BART. And, and so I got on my phone and we're, we're watching the game. And before you know it, there's people like, over our shoulders, and everybody's watching the game, and everyone's, like, super excited, and before we get into the city, the Dodgers have lost, and so everyone's already in a good mood, and so we get off of the Embarcadero, and the is a couple miles from the ballpark, and we decide, let's walk. It's, you know, we got plenty of time, and so we walk, and as we get closer and closer to the stadium, the crowd builds, and there's more and more excitement, and people and you get into the stadium and there's, you know, 45,000 plus people and everyone's amped up beyond belief. And uh, they ended up winning, going to the next round. It was, it was a great day. The reason I bring up that story, I just, I love that. I, I always look fondly on that. Just that, that whole progression before the game, the excitement and the, the fun of just more and more people and um, just that, that fun time. We're going to be looking at Psalm 128 this morning. Um, it's actually one of the shorter chapters in the entire Bible. It's only six, six verses long. But it's in a group of Psalms, um, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, and, and they're called Psalms of Ascent. Um, what that means is these were the songs that the Jewish people would sing as they traveled by foot, they didn't get to go on the Bart as they traveled by foot to Jerusalem. And there was, they would do that three times a year for the, the festivals that they would, they would be asked, commanded to come to Jerusalem to celebrate. There was the, the, um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Passover. We actually learned some about this last week with Pastor Matt. The, the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Booths. So, those three festivals, the Jewish people would come together. And they would come from all over the nation, and they would travel by foot, and sometimes it would take several days. One of the interesting things I learned, as I was studying about this, is there was a particular particular route from the north coming south to Jerusalem that a lot of people would kind of come together and travel up this thing on, on this path on the last day before they got there for the festival, and they would they would. As you can imagine, they would sing these songs together. And so all these songs, 120 to 134, I'd encourage you to read through all of those and just kind of put yourself in that, um, in that place. Just think about the people of God being called by him to go and to worship. It's, I, I thought of like, what would it be like if we all just walked to church on Sunday morning and it's like, okay, you know, if you live over here in this area, you're, we're all gonna meet up on Watt Avenue, we're gonna come down, then we're gonna turn on, on Whitney, and maybe there's gonna be some people that come over and and gather together on Fair Oaks Boulevard, and we're gonna come together, and we're gonna be singing, we're gonna be worshiping before we even get there. Um, just kind of that picture, that's what kind of, a, it's it's foreign to us, right? We just all come on our own because we have cars now. But that was that was the story, that was the picture that, that we can see from um, back in those times. And so it was a time of joy. And so these psalms are just filled with encouragement for the people of God, the provision of God, how he um, protects and cares for his people and the promises that he's given him. And so they just get to meditate on that as they're going um, to these different festivals. So Psalm 128, we're going to start at the beginning. Um, Read the first couple of, of verses. And then uh, I'm going to try to do my best to unpack this and uh, share what, what God has laid on my heart through this. So one, Psalm 128, verse 1 through 4. The psalmist says, how, hap- how happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You will surely eat what your hand has worked for. You will be happy, and it will go well for you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, your sons, other, other translations say your children, um, like young olive trees around your table. In this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. Now, I, wanna, I just want to acknowledge that that kind of reading the truth of God's scripture which we know is true because it came through the Holy Spirit by, by these writers, it still has the, the capacity to kind of maybe separate us or turn us off to this message because the reality is when we hear these things about God's blessing through the family, it can, it can put us in, in different camps where we feel like maybe I don't relate with that. I, haven't, I don't feel like I've been blessed. Um, maybe you have lost your father or mother, or maybe you never knew them. Maybe you just have a, a, a broken relationship. Or maybe you're a, a father who has lost a child or, or has a, a strained or broken relationship. With your children. And so it makes it hard to. To, to go through this sometimes. So I just want to be real about that. And let's allow room. To be honest with where we are. In our emotion. The way we feel. But with that being said. Family. And specifically fatherhood. Is a gift from God. In Whatever capacity he's given us, and the way God chooses to pour out his blessing in our lives deserves to be be celebrated. So I'm just going to ask that if you're struggling with that, to the best of your ability, if we can focus on that blessing this morning, keeping in mind this. That any breakdown that we may experience in our life in those relationships... Any failure on that part is not a failing of God. God has blessed us through these ways. But instead, any failure, it's it's the result of fallen man. It's the result of our sinful nature. And that's the reality of the world we live in now until Christ comes. And so... we just got to be real and clear about that, right? Because it's easy to blame God for not only things that maybe I've done or someone else has done, or the way that the enemy has chosen to, to warp and distort and break these relationships. And so we're going we're gonna to look to God's word for direction on how to to navigate to navigate those feelings so there's there's a, a few different ways that God has um, poured out his blessing specifically in this passage. there's many ways of course but I'm, I'm going to focus on the three areas that are in this passage God's blessing. On, his, on families. Now, first of all, it talks about the provision. Um, in, in verse uh, 1 and 2, how happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Is there a requirement there that we are walking in his ways? Yes. You will surely eat what your hand is worked for. God is going to allow the man of God, the woman of God, to, to provide. He will be happy and it will go well for him. So first of all, he, he provides provision. He takes care of each of his children and he gives specifically in God's design for family in an unbroken home with a mother and a father and children, he gives the father the capacity to provide and care in that way. Uh, for his family, but what about in the broken family? How can we overcome that? How can we fix that? If there's not an ability, maybe the father's not there. The church can come along and be fill that role, right? And that's that's what we are commanded to do several times in the New Testament. We're commanded to take care of the orphans and widows, and so that's a that is a an institution of the church that is a requirement, and we m- must maintain that and take care of any family in our body that needs that. Secondly, the spouse. Proverbs eighteen twenty two says, "A man." Who finds a wife, finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. It is a gift. It is a gift from God. You know, there's this, this this picture that he uses of a vine in the family, the vine within your house. And I was just thinking about like, you know, what does that mean? It made me think of a time um, this is even further than 2014. 2000, 99, I don't remember. It was a long time ago. We were going to move to San Antonio. We, we were going to move from California to San Antonio, and, and I had to go out a couple, minutes, a couple months before my wife. And so I went out there, and my mentality was, I don't want to unpack a bunch of stuff I don't need. So I unpacked three changes of clothes, my bed, one pair of sheets, and one book and everything else stayed in storage. And my wife got out there and she walked into my room and it's like, "What is going on in here?" Like, "What happened to all our stuff?" I'm like, "It's in storage." Like, she's like, "There's no pictures in here. There's no flowers. Like you hardly have any clothes." And I was just like, "Well, you know, I don't need all that stuff." But that's pretty <laughs> pretty depressing. Pretty depressing picture, um, when you think about it. But fortunately, I haven't lived my whole marriage apart from my wife. So if you do come into my house now, you'll you'll find decorations, you'll find a crazy dog, you'll find um, <laughs> all kinds of things. And so there's this the vine of the vine, the picture of the vine producing. So we talk, we think about children producing children, bringing the beauty and joy and comfort into a home the nurturing, compassion. I mean, you think about a kid banging his knee at three years old. They're probably not coming to me. They're probably going to mom. Um, And then next, children. He uses the analogy, the picture of an olive tree. An olive tree. I don't know much about olive trees. Here's a picture of an olive tree that giant thing. See, as you get older, the bottom gets bigger. <laughs> Just kidding. So one thing I learned about olive trees as I was studying this, it's interesting that this, that, that was particularly what God chose to use as the analogy. is An olive tree, particularly one like this, that's huge and, and bearing fruit. This is a, a really old olive tree. I have no idea how old it is, but it looks really old. And the, the thing with an olive tree is it takes a long time to mature. A very long time to mature and then to produce good fruit. And so we just think about children, right? It's like it takes a long time to mature, but there comes a point where they be, start becoming an adult. They start becoming into their own, and you see the way God uses them. They, uh, they find their own spouse, and they start to have their own children and um, and they they mature. It's just it's interesting and it, and it talked about like in, in studying this, it talked about not only does it take a long time to mature by, bear fruit, but once it does bear fruit, then it's it's very valuable. It's a very valuable tree once it's mature and it's bearing fruit. So, just thought that was an, that interesting. And we're gonna kind of talk ab- about that that metaphor in just a little bit, but we're gonna move on. To verse 5 and 6. So as, as he, after he's laid out the, the, the blessing of the, the family, then he, then he talks more specifically, uh, or excuse me, more broadly um, about the, the people. He says, May the Lord bless you from Zion, so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life, and will see your children's children. Children's children. Peace be with you. So we see this picture of of God blessing us and us looking for the prosperity of of Jerusalem now now we don't again we don't we're not the ones that are walking to Jerusalem, so that Old Testament picture is not like on our on our radar necessarily however um, God the Father is is on his throne as we speak there's a there's a new heaven a new earth and new jerusalem coming right and so we can look to that there's this there's this um promise uh, there's this blessing of of being able to see your children's children that's a beautiful thing we um i saw a picture of, of pastor matt with jack and I just immediately thought, I bet Andy and Cindy are really jealous right now that he got to hold your grandkid at this moment, <laughs> but that what a blessing that is, right that if we're if we 're blessed enough to grow up to not only see our children grow but then see our grandchildren and maybe great grandchildren and that 's an earthly blessing that he 's given us, but there's also we have to maintain. The perspective of the eternal. And so maybe we won't always see or get to experience every blessing that we want to see here on earth, but we have a promise of a future home with, with, with the Father. So as I said, God the Father is on his throne as we speak, and the Father is home, and he's waiting for his bride to come enjoy his presence forever. Even for those outside of his will right now, who are not walking according to what he's asked, he's still he's waiting. It's on us to, to encourage them, to help them find the truth. His plan for the future of all the redeemed will be so wonderful that it's even hard to imagine. But we have this hope because Jesus is the Son. This is God's olive tree. God's son, his offshoot. He matured to perfection, and he glorified the Father by submitting to his will. He reached perp- perfect maturity. You know, I couldn't shake this 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 image of the, of the olive tree as I was preparing. Um, it was just like so fascinating to me. And so, I was just trying to research the best I could, and it was kind of it. It was hard to find some things that I was looking for, but there were some things that um, really just reinforced this idea of Jesus being this same picture of of this olive tree. In um, we don't have this passage up there, but I'm going to give it to you. In Exodus thirty twenty two, it tells you tells us how to how to make anointing oil. And it had these different ingredients, but they were all mixed together with, with olive oil. That was, the main, that was the oil that was used. And so olive oil is used to anoint the priests. That's important because we're, we're following this, this metaphor, this train of thought of Jesus being this olive tree. And then Isaiah 53 tells us that he was crushed for our sins. How do you get the olive oil? It's crushed, right? You crush the oils. And then we're called a royal priesthood. We're anointed because of Jesus, because of the righteousness that he's imputed upon us. But then he goes even further. You know, as Jesus was submitting to the Father's plan that last night... He spent time in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's an, olive, that's an olive grove. He was in that olive grove preparing to fulfill his role as priest, preparing to make purification for sin once for all. If you remember, three times he asked his disciples to pray with him. And all three times they, they were weak, they fell asleep. They wanted to stay up and pray with him. They just couldn't physically do it. Now this isn't, um, I didn't find any proof of this in the Bible, but there's some scholars that have suggested that these three times symbolize the method used to press oil from olives because the procedure that they use when they crush olives to make olive oil is it's crushed three separate times before they do it. And we remember that Jesus was in agony that night. Right? Just because he, was, he submitted to the Father's will and he didn't give in to the temptation of, of removing himself from that situation, of submitting himself to that, that torture and agony and painful death, that doesn't mean he wasn't in agony. The Bible tells us he was in such agony that he sweat drops of blood. We're going to remember that sacrifice in, in just a moment. But before that, um, let's just remember that that work is, is complete. It's not in process. He, is, he has paid the penalty. The Father is home. He is on his throne. And that's where Jesus is right now. He is right at his right hand. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Hebrews 1, 3, says, I just love this verse because it talks about how, the, the, it, it shows how Jesus is God as well. It says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's a beautiful picture. And the son, he's going to come back for his bride. That's, the Bible tells us that. The word of God promises that. Until that happens, though, we, we are commanded to be ready and to continue to... Um, encourage others to bring along as many people with us as we can. We have an enemy that's trying to take as many people as he can to hell with him. But we serve someone greater. And he has given us everything we need, but he has asked for our obedience. And that is, that's hard sometimes. So I brought up that that just idea earlier of how sometimes this can be hard because we might not be um, at peace um, with our earthly father we might not know them, they might have passed away wherever we are on that on that broad you know list of possibilities. I just want to ask are we at peace with our our earthly fathers? Are you at peace with your father? Maybe that's, that's possible to make reconciliation if it's broken here on earth. Maybe it's not. However, we can go to God and ask him to help us if there's an issue there. You know, one of the most beautiful and well uh, retold parables in the Bible is, is just about that, that prodigal son. You know, he was not at peace with his father, right? He had to come and get peace with his father again. And that's the father's heart, Right? So that's a question that all of us have to answer on our own, where we are on that. On that. I, I was blessed to have a, a dad that was there my whole life, and he's a, he's a believer. And so I don't have that struggle, but I know many people that maybe their dad was never there to begin with. Or maybe they came and went. Or maybe they hurt them and sinned against them. Are many children who have done the same to their fathers? So each one needs to examine his own heart. And secondly, and even of greater importance, is are we at peace with our Father, our Heavenly Father? Are we at peace with our Heavenly Father? Andy, I want to ask you to come up, and Andy's going to lead us in communion. And we're going to spend some time, I think, examining our hearts as we do that. And so, thank you, Andy, for coming up and doing that.